Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. My name is James Ian McMillan. In the dark, dark corner, jerking off is Andrew Carrion. I jacked it off. You jacked it off. <laughs> to the lefty Lucy of me is Josh Northcutt. What's up, Josh? High five. For those who don't know, Josh is a real motherfucker. <laughs> real ass man. He's a real ass man. Uh, I'm going to close the door, Andrew. Andrew is the man, but Josh is also the man, and we grew up with Josh. How long have I known you, Josh? Since mm. fifth grade, technically? Yeah. Um, I'm terrible with math, so let's look at that. That would be... <laughs> I, yeah. I think we've known each other for 20 years. 20 plus, for sure. Yeah, at 20, least. Maybe I mean, 22 years. We've known... I've fifth known grade, you, Andrew. So that was like, what, 94? <sighs> yeah, you moved here in 94, right? Here's how I Doesn't do the math. Really matter, but... No, how, I know how long, that 94 long? is what you, you do the year, and then... That's uh, one number above that is the grade. Does that make sense? Like ninety four is fifth grade. Also, like ninety five is sixth grade for us, not mm-hmm. for you, because you're one year older. Um, but here's here's how you would figure it out. I think is how many years do you think you knew me before I started driving? Um, but God, it's got to be at least. You mean are you saying fifteen or sixteen? Yeah. Well, no. I mean, like we knew each other. When I mean, you I, lived at the house. I was probably 10 when you met me. Yeah. Okay. So we know each other. Maybe like 11. 20, 20, 11 at the oldest. We'll yeah. say 24 years. 25 years. God I'll be 35 damn, in a long life, fucking so time. Do the math. It's a long goddamn time. Uh, but yet, not only is Josh our dear, dear friend, but Josh Northcutt has played drums for a coon's age, as they say. <laughs> I think that's a racist expression. I'm not sure. It sounds, not, sounds pretty bad. Hot, hot topic. Yeah. Based on the same math, we'll say maybe. 20 to 24 years. <laughs> I love the Josh is back to the topic from seven hours ago. <laughs> this just in. <laughs> um, yeah, so Josh used to drum in a band called The Clarity Process, which is a legendary North Northwest Oregon band. You know what? A oh. national band. I'll go ahead and say a national band. Post-hardcore, baby. We Post had some recognition baby. across the states. Yeah, That's right. How long were you in the band? I was like a six-year band, I'd say. Wait, it had that... its own. It had like variations of members and different names, but um, so probably all together, you know, seven, seven years, seven, eight years. And you were the only drummer, yes. 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 By the way, so that band had uh, so who was Steve Cook, you, Jeff Miller, Zach Hutchings, Chris Crummett for a time, Nate Abner for a time. Yeah. Bunch of heavy hitters, big dick swinging motherfuckers. Yeah, and any version of the band before that that had other people um, was not Clarity Process. Oh, that's right. When it was just there was something that we did with Scott yeah. Preston and then um, bass player Gabe from Fade Out. But then, and then there was just you and Steve and Zach or something from that's minute, the right? start of Clarity Process. Right when you guys covered Bjork's. Um, Army of Me. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember you guys playing that at a house party. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yep. that was Zach playing. <laughs> Zach was just playing bass. Bass, and then Steve was singing and guitar, and then we ended up getting Jeff to join and take over bass duties, and then that's when Zach switched to guitar, and that's when that band became that band. Yeah. Signed to Rise Records, and um, like Josh said, they toured all around the country. I mean, you guys toured a lot back in the day. Toured a lot. A lot, a lot. And you did long runs, too. Oh, yeah. God, I remember that. 
You would just disappear in a van. Let's see Josh a month and a half later. I mean, it's like one of those things to look at it and so crazy. It's, you know, two, you know, sometimes two, two plus month tours, um, you know, and, and this is like without major support. This isn't with, this is like without a booking agent. We came across some notes that, um, I think maybe, um, Crummett had or Steve had or something, of all the notes from a tour and Zach would always book all these tours and like early days, he would book early them. days. Yeah. No, I mean, pretty much we never had a real booking agent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jesus. I don't think I knew that. All of this stuff. <laughs> and the same thing with prize country stuff. Um, prize country was my band that I did for five, so six tough. years after clarity process. And you guys also um, hit the road same kind of thing. Toured all the time, toured really aggressively and it was all, DIY. Mm-hmm. But would you say that Clarity was um, the – was that your favorite band you were in, if you have one? I mean, maybe you don't. That's – It was certainly like the most tough. sort of – My actual favorite band that I've been in was um, me and Ryan Lewis had a band for about two years um, called Young Vienna, and that was with a lot of like kind of – I always forget that he was a part major, of it. Major dudes in town that were from a scene that we weren't part of. Yeah, it was you know, like, any of us were part of. Right. Um, and that was a pretty big departure from anything I'd ever done before. It was, you know, way way more pop sensibilities, yeah, like really pop. singer-songwriter. Super drag, kind of slick pop. Yeah. You know? I It's like The Strokes meets mm-hmm. Tom Petty. I think the way Ryan describes it, it's The Strokes meets Tom Petty meets T-Rex. <laughs> T-Rex. <laughs> Oh, so it was like singer songwriter, and then it just was very, very specifically structured songs that would kind of yeah. be reminiscent of like the Strokes, where it's like really little things, details that mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to 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 know why the song was that. Was your cool. favorite band of drumming, though? That was just my favorite band that mm-hmm. I was in. My favorite band of drumming was definitely Prize Country. Right. So you hate Clarity Process, is what you're saying? Mm, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I I've told you this before, Josh, but Clarity was always like. I mean, obviously, you guys had a ton of buzz, and there was a time there where you guys were, like, people knew who you were. I mean, you was a, you know, there was something happening there for sure. Um, but I, I've told you this before. I always thought you guys were like on the verge of being, like, the next Deftones, not in sound, and not in, um, but like, yeah, not in sound, but in that kind of energy where, like, every time I watched you guys, you're on the, you're on the verge of falling apart. But that was the best thing about the band. Yeah. Like, it was so dangerous, and it was just always on the verge of just falling off a cliff. That's why I always loved early Deftones. They're so loose. They're so good that yeah. they could do that with each other. They could come in and out of tempo and in and out of, like, focus. They weren't a – you know what I mean? They weren't that kind of band. They didn't just stand there and play perfectly. It yeah. was all just in the moment At points, it was pretty explosive. So explosive, yeah. And Clarity was no different. I mean, there was a time there was, like – this is real. This is something that's actually happening. So we would get, I mean, we got definitely better response in general um, in terms of press uh, overseas in Europe. Yep. Um, and the the comparisons that we would get the most were refused. And so like that yeah, kind of that, that energy that you're thinking that you're talking about, I think that you know, prob- when I think about it, I think it's closer actually. to, to yeah. refused. Um just because it's not as you know polished as Deftones were, right? 
even like you know the first i mean the second deftones record is like polished and um yeah i i think that we broke up a little pre like prematurely i would have liked to have at least seen what would happen would have happened on one more record because the the difference between fluid to our second record killing the precedent is a massive departure in my mind um like i don't even hear the same band on the two records um, yeah i always would wonder what would have happened after a few years and people getting older and yeah, just some of it being a little more matured and like, um, you know, maybe pull back on some of like mm-hmm. the 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 chaos, the chaos, and try yeah. to get really just powerful. Oh yeah, there's so much potential there. And Steve is—I mean, he's one of my favorite frontmen ever. He was so great, pure energy, and I mean, he was perfect for that band. Yeah, um, and then yeah, I think overall, I, I. I you know, I mean, maybe it's just because of being older. Um, Price Country was just a, a, a more exciting band to be in, I think, because... Because of that, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I felt like there was just a little more... A little more, like, actual attention paid to how we wrote songs. And for you, that's probably super refreshing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I listened to uh, Killing the Precedent a lot just mm. to kind of remind myself of, like, what... I was doing at that point in my life and mm-hmm. that age and I'm still really proud of it but there is stuff where it's just kind of gets a little out of hand when yeah, I think yeah. about it and then um, it all happens for a reason though you know I think with Price Country I don't really feel like that happened like I feel right. pretty much like what what we tried to get across is what came across and you know that was like more of like the drive like Jehu and Quicksand and all that that side of music totally you know that i grew up listening to so well yeah. in this room we have three drummers um we're, i'm looking at a drum set right now so i think what we're going to do as sort of a focal point for the episode we're going to touch back on our our favorite drummers and no part pretty, two yeah part two we missed already, quite a few we missed quite a few i have Last one i have I one in mind that you guys missed when i listen to that that yeah. you're gonna you either either thought about it or you haven't and if you hear me say it you're going to be like, what did we, what were we, <laughs> well, thinking? What were we thinking? Um, there's one, and I think me and you have talked about it. Who's that? Can we just start? Let's start. Okay, let's start it. Matt Cameron. That's not who I'm thinking of, but yes. Yeah. Really? That's Cameron not should have who been. you're thinking of? Brian St. Pierre from Hum. God damn it. <laughs> He's fucking right. Are you sure I didn't say that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys didn't talk about him at all. I don't think we did. That is unbelievable that that was never brought up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Whoa! Damn! Wow! Sorry. Yeah. So looking, <laughs> you know, thing. I don't have that written down this time either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went through and I was like, really trying to pay attention to um, what what makes me appreciate a drummer to the point that I would say that they've had more than just maybe just like a lasting impression because I think there's a lot of cool playing that's out there. Sure. But I don't think that it means anything to how drums influenced me um you know so i'll look at it and i'm like going through a list of all the records i've listened to or that i have on you know i'm just going through itunes on my phone or whatever and um yeah it's crazy to see how many drummers you can think about and go like my god what an amazing sound that person had or like uh, yeah. their dynamics or the power um you know you're talking about like gherkin 
you know, Jason Gherkin, and, like, there's just an attitude there. So it's, you know, there's all these different characteristics that can really stand out and how you narrow them down to what you like the most. Um, you know, if you were trying to say even the top five drummers, like, I can't think <laughs> of how you would do it. Yeah, it's pretty tough. No, it's tough. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this before. We could do ten volumes of this topic <laughs> alone. We could do ten different episodes, and we still wouldn't hit every drummer. Yeah, I almost started so, just like you know, trying to um, try to like group them into different like subjects. Like, okay, right. who is the absolute favorite? Who I know who that is. Um, who who was the one that made me have to reevaluate how you could play the instrument? You know, which one do I connect with on an emotional level? Yep. Um, you know, who has my favorite drum tones and sounds consistently on records? So it's all that kind of stuff is what I was starting to think about. That's kind of how I approached it. Nice. Um, so, you know, so we talk about ML. So who who would you say? Right there. Right there. Right there. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing Instagram story. I'm poking at Josh's face. Poke the air. Okay, so I started with Matt Cameron. Let's talk about him for a minute. Let's 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 put a pin in what you're saying, as they say in the corporate world. Put a pin in it. Put we'll table in. that for now. We'll come back to it. You know how much I hear that at Intel? That kind of bullshit talk. We'll put a pin in it. We'll table I was talking to Ryan about that today. Uh, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, was this during a meeting? You're going to have a meeting and then just talk about some shit that you could text about? or Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. <laughs> like, you fucking asshole. Anyway, so Matt Cameron. Is playing a lot of guitar these days. That's He's got I his hear. own project. Um, so there's a drummer I'm going to talk about that's mm-hmm. been a very big influence on me. Um, that we'll tell the people who Cameron. he is, for those who don't know. Uh, uh, who, Matt Cameron? Yeah. So Matt Cameron is the drummer from Soundgarden. And then took over drum duties in Pearl Jam, ooh, wow, 15, 13 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Um, so he's been playing drums in both of those bands um, and now has his own project that he does that he's sings and plays guitar in. Um, he's, he's, he's the man. Hey, well, uh, use a, a descriptive word for Matt Cameron. I have one. Oh, my gosh. Um I'm, I'm all start. I'll just say, uh, just, just bat. He's just the baddest. Like I was going to say, commanding. Could, yeah, commanding is really. Uh, I mean, I remember watching um, this Pearl Jam DVD that came out. There was a live show. Oh, I remember that they that released, one. and like you, you watch you this guy me. hit cymbals, and it's like, oh my god, just the authority there is like, I'm gonna, I'm going to hit this cymbal, and he goes through the cymbal, but it's finesse. And it's yeah, just, he's not yeah. just hitting hard. He's not hitting like Travis Barker hard for no. Which is my least favorite way that least people fa- play. Exactly. And, um, I, and by the way, Travis Barker is really good. No, we're not saying that. It's absolutely. Just the way he hits is not the way Matt Cameron hits. Matt Cameron hits with authority, that it, but is also playing to the song. Oh you yeah. Know what I mean. Well, also that, so and that's what's so good. cool about him so as a crazy. drummer. I think is that in this in the rock world, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these bands get to have their style and it like lends to the band where it's Mm -hmm. not like you're a drummer in a top 40 band that you just got to play drums in the background yeah and or singer songwriter stuff where you're there just to really support the songwriter itself in a band like Soundgarden you know he's a huge part of why that band even gets to be that band yeah like they don't sound like Soundgarden Soundgarden just because of Chris Cornell they sound like that because of every member in that band, exactly. bass, guitar, yeah, totally. You know, that's a huge point. I mean, especially with that band, like, yeah, you can't take one of those guys out. 
and then but especially when we're talking about the drum drumming side of it um matt cameron can take any like any time signature and groove and just flip it on its head and turn something that seems like it's going to be just a simple riff into like something you really have to try to dissect and wrap your head I love how he plays like you know how Gherkin plays behind the beat like that kind of half into time thing well he does that too but it's like um but but it's not halftime he does like this it's I just say it's like swampy like he's just like yeah, you're talking about maybe just like actual note placements. Note placements, yeah. They're the most bizarre placements. I had yeah, someone... he doesn't. He doesn't always do backbeats on a on a two and a four or yep. um, in a halftime feel like on a three. He'll he'll like move them into like the and counts and yep. stuff, which are like in between beats. I heard someone point out because he's one of the guys that's kind of hard for me to air drum to, like really hard, <laughs> right? And someone pointed out to me that the secret with him is that he plays to the riff. I was telling your brother about this, and Jefferson's like, oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. Like, okay, listen, listen to Let Me Drown. Note for note, he's playing. You know what I mean? It's like he's riding with the riff. Yeah. Oh, I love that fucking intro. Wait, I'm going to come hard again. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. This part. Oh! <laughs> oh that so reverb. What a God, badass. That. Yeah, and he's a good fit for Pearl Jam. Yeah, I mean, like Spoon Man, you know, like what the the breakdown section right? in Spoon Man. Yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. So good. Um I heard something. And nobody was... played. Nobody played rock drums like that. Maybe the only person right. that I could say that was playing rock drums like that at the time, which is going to be on my, um, you know, potentially one of my top ten guys here, is Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Um, I can and see they that. get to take Not this kind of though. like um, badass. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Chamberlain's approach is more of a jazz mm-hmm. jazz focus to rock music, or you like a fusion style of drumming. Excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's what made that guy so cool is he just got a command. I, um, the other thing that's cool about that whole group, like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, those that crew of dudes, I was listening to a thing um, about how Eddie Vedder – oh, it was – okay, so it was the uh, Dean Del Rey podcast with the drummer of Rage. Against oh, Machine. yeah, Brad Wilk. Brad Wilk. So he was on – he was one of them. I, just, I mean, yeah, you guys talked about him last yeah, time. About you guys talked about Rage Against the Machine, which I love, and I'm not a huge um, Audio Slave fan by any means at all. In fact, I would almost say I'm not really a fan of Audio Slave, but I love the way that he plays drums in that band almost more so than I like how he plays drums in Rage Against well, the Machine. Well, so listen to this. So they are all from the Los Angeles area. Brad was in his own band, and then he was roommates with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. This was prior to any of these bands, prior to Soundgarden, prior to Pearl Jam, prior to Rage. Right? No, so, uh, Pearl Jam has just started, but they hadn't put out anything yet. And um, anyway, yeah, it was just remember how connected all of that was? Like yeah. Eddie Vedder went to go try out for Pearl Jam. He got the part, and then he came back and showed his roommate, who was Brad, the demo to 10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Brad's like, 
oh, you clearly have to go do this because they were in a band together too. I left that part out. And then Brad's like, yeah, no hard feelings. Go do that. Move to Seattle. And then they lost their drummer. Pearl Jam, early Pearl Jam lost their early drummer. So Eddie was like, I got this buddy in LA. He's my roommate. He's, he's great. And so he came out and met them in Europe. Yeah. Because they were Flew like out there. for recording. Yeah. And he remember he spent like a long time there and he rehearsed with them, rehearsed, and it just wasn't the right fit. And, and the band is like, sorry, Eddie, we love your guy, but he's not the right fit. So he went back super bummed. Then, like, a couple weeks later, got the gig with Rage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like, you know, then Temple the Dog, which was, what, half Soundgarden, half Pearl Jam? You know, anyway, then years later, then Matt, Ch- or Matt Cameron starts playing for Pearl Jam. It's just so rad how all that's connected. And, like, you, you don't know who you're talking to. Like, Man. That's why I don't. You really shouldn't treat anyone like shit. I mean, <laughs> for obvious reasons, but unless they really are, unless a sucky they're a person. fucking asshole. But like, you don't know. I mean, yeah, you go see a band one day, and that's I don't know. That's that's why I love about our circle of friends is we've all played in bands with each other. And we could do that same lineage with our friends, like Jeff Miller played in Clarity. Jeff and Miller Jeff, has played in most of the bands. Though. Jeff Miller has played in most <laughs> of the bands. It all revolves around Jeff. At some it's point, it's really true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's played in more more bands, I guess, than that I can think of than anybody else. Mm. Well, I mean, just the even thinking from when we were little kids, like he yeah, was. I guess what, you're right. Yeah, he did like, Fuzzy Logic. No, before Tabana. that. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. Fuzzy and Logic, mindset, mindset, Tabana, Tabana, and then okay, and then um, Clarity. Yeah, and then then Mirrors. Yeah, then the Days and Nights. Then got kicked out of the Days and Nights. So that would be it for me with him, but. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. Hillsborough Roots. Hillsborough Roots. <laughs> roots. So anyway, Matt Cameron, number one, badass. I can't believe we left him off the list last time. Um, top, you know, I had a top five. Remember we started with a top five last episode? Yeah. And I don't know how he didn't make the top five. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze Overlooked. him in there on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I would push out of my last top five. <laughs> Yeah, All right, well, Josh, five, start man. with who? who's, like, your ultimate guy? Danny Carey from Tool. Really? Fuck, yeah. Danny wow. Carey, I think, is... Kind of makes sense. It's, yeah, like, I there... It. I, you know, it's, there isn't even a question in my mind that he's my favorite drummer. Okay. He, Why? First off, like, there's nobody that plays drums like that. Yes. So there's there's a lot of bands that, you know, are in in kind of the progressive rock world that incorporate a lot of the things that he does, which would be two big things I would say would be polyrhythmic playing, mm-hmm. which if you're not familiar with that really means it means like you're you're playing Rhythm. multiple time signatures on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um so it takes a certain amount of time for them to line back up again. So he's literally using all four limbs, if that helps people understand. And then, um, and then the incorporation of electronics into his plane. That too, God, right? So many sampler pads. And right. so the electronic part <laughs> of it is something that's really, really prominent in the in the prog world, especially you know during like the eighties and. Right. Um, yeah. But he does it with this kind of finesse. And and so I mean I think of a lot of guys that incorporate electronics into their playing, kind of being almost um, like dumpy sounding kind of. Well, the thing I was going to say is he does all those things. We talked about this last time too. He does all of that finesse, um, you know, like polyrhythmic stuff. The like clinic drummer 
guy, but he does all that with authority. He combines Matt Cameron authority and he hits like a man. You yeah. know what I mean? He's doing all this crazy, super hard stuff to play, but he's he's playing as hard as, you know. Yeah, and he, and he has a jazz background. And right. so, like, you know, his focus is, you know. <laughs> Come, like coming from jazz and then um you know he brings a lot of that kind of stuff into his playing as well um in a lot of his symbol work um He's the man but yeah i think that he just has this sound um you know he just it's like um like his drum tones on records okay so you know we've all smoked weed um no i haven't <laughs> Mom, I have not. Mom, you know I have. Um, and so, probably smoked with you. We, you know, one of my favorite things to do to ever really like listen to music is to smoke weed. Yep. Get in bed, put headphones on, and listen to music in the dark. Oh, sure, yeah, for sure. And um, it doesn't sound like something you'd like, Josh. As long as I've known you. <laughs> But this thing happens where you get to start like hearing all individual instruments because you're focused so much and you can like kind of yep. hyper focus on things um, that I can listen to his bass drum sounds, just the tones that they get in the studio for his for his drums, mm-hmm. and the bass drum will sound like it's three hundred feet tall, yeah. <laughs> and his snare drum is don't they tune three hundred feet wide? Didn't he said they tune to the scale in which they play. Yeah, He's I think that, that I think does he does. He he tunes in like triads, um, but then yeah, and then all you know while I'm listening to all that, like I get to listen to these big powerful drums going on that are just monstrous in my head, and then I'm listening to his cymbal work, which is like I think his Unreal. best. Yeah. I think it's his best attribute is the way that he approaches his. What's cymbals. a good example of that, Josh? Um, the what's that? Jesus Christ! He's doing some shit on the hi hat. And then he drops in the snare and kick, but it, it doesn't seem possible that anyone could be able to do that. Oh, the um, breakdown to eulogy? Is that what it is? Well, there, I, yeah, I would say that it's it probably the um, actually the uh, breakdown on uh, lateralis that you're talking about. Both sound right to me at the moment. Um, hang on, I'll find it real fast. But so it's like, yeah, all of the symbol work is going on all around this big, big, powerful, really, really like driving, commanding kind of. Um, bass drum and snare work and then just okay hold on alright here's the part it's not hi-hat even already I would probably would have lost it Harder than it sounds. Yeah, and so when he brings in the bass drum here, yes. he's going to incorporate another counter rhythm. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> all like shifting together. He starts opening the high up. One hand, right? Right hand. 
Yep, all, all right hand on the high hat, yeah. No. <laughs> it's like head explosion. It's all swirling together. I've got a calculator for that one. <laughs> okay. God Song damn. is Lateralis by Tool. Go check it out. And there's just so much of it. It's like I, I could, I could I find know. 10 different parts to, to talk about that. So that's just my favorite drummer. Um, so he's your main guy. He's my main guy. And I'm really, really excited um, for them to put a new album out. Yeah. Um, I expect to be happy about it or, you know, happy with the record. And if, even if the record doesn't do it for me, I know that I'm going to get a million things out of that guy's playing. So now it's like, even if I don't like the don't record feel, as a whole. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like if Danny Carey is your main guy, obviously tools, not your main band. Tools, one of them for sure. One of them. Yeah. yeah I mean, I would say tools like a top three band for me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is your favorite record? Lateralis. Same here. I'm an Inema guy. Yeah. I mean, I love Inema too, but. By a small margin. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things, I guess, like, I don't really, you know, I've listened to him in other projects and stuff like that that he that he does, and I guess they don't really stand out to me as anything majorly cool. It's him and Adam Jones. Yeah. They're like the duo good. from heaven. Yeah. The They lock in in a way that it's just. Yeah, I just think that I think there there are certain things that you react to that allow you to bring out the best of yourself. And a lot of the stuff that I think that he ends up playing in outside of Tool doesn't tap into any of the things that make him who he is to me. Yeah. Which is fine because that's, you know, I don't get to dictate how he likes to play drums. Um, so if he's in a band where he's just kind of doing the more butt rock side of it. <laughs> that's what he likes, yeah. He's having fun. Yeah, maybe he wants to play some butt rock. So who would you say, if you had to guess, who is my main guy? Dave Grohl. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I was just curious. But I also heard the Actually, podcast, and I would have known that anyway. Yeah, you yeah you're a meat and potatoes boy. I'm a meat and potatoes boy. You're, you might be Dave I'd say Grohl, right? Abe Cunningham. Yeah, that makes more sense. Fuck yeah, man. I love that dude. Yeah, he's a very close second, I guess, for me. You know, and honestly, I would say that if I were to think about two drummers that that I think are the most similar out of a list like that, Abe Cunningham and Danny Carey are the most similar to me. There's a couple reasons. Think about their snare, their snare tones. Yeah, like um, where they don't really sound like there's always a snare on, mm-hmm. and like, um, and then just their cymbal work. Yeah, they're so there's so much about these beats where it's like the cymbals are like so many accents that are going, um, where it's like it's not you know they do a thing that I really like about drums, which doesn't like meat and potato drumming doesn't always bring me into like I don't really get into it as much because it doesn't have a melodic side to the playing as much where those two guys Abe Cunningham and Danny Carey especially have this melodic thing they do with the cymbals that get to be a counter melody to vocals and guitar parts yeah so it adds another layer for me to dig into we were talking about the last episode too Abe Abe Cunningham is a really good example of him uh, you know proving his his place in that band like Deftones simply wouldn't be the same without Abe Cunningham. Yeah, for sure. in fact, style, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you could argue just it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, does Abe Cunningham sound like him right, when right. he goes and just plays on some other record? He doesn't really seem to do anything it's else other than that one, that one project that he did um, from some older band. Yeah. I don't remember what they were called. Um, 
but it's like the drumming on that stuff is not as cool as what he does in Deftones. Oh, re- remind later. Well, I'm going to tell you about the my interaction with Abe or Abe Chino. Oh, Chino, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't have to talk about it now, but I'll, I'll fill you in later. It was so fucking rad. Um, all right, let's move on. Who else do we got? Andrew, so, you want to name one? Uh, we missed out from the last podcast. Ian Prince. Oh, oh, Ian Prince uh, from uh, Houston. Oh, from Houston, yeah. yeah. Yeah, dude. We totally fucking missed out. The band that nobody's heard of other than the people in this room and a few guys upstairs. He's the man. Where can we find a song to play? Like, I have it on my old computer. I don't have any currently with me. It's not on Spotify. <laughs> it's yeah. not anywhere. I think I have a burned CD in my house. <laughs> but yeah, he's the man. Band called and Houston from Minneapolis. A fucking Midwestern style. I'm leads into it what do you like about him so much just solid as fuck and he has like I don't know he's like yeah he takes, like, he like takes all back. the cool midwestern the stuff that all yeah. these guys the back, and then right. he'll, then he'll yeah. be explosive when he needs to and super sharp that left it. hand thing he does too you know like well, it's just there's a there's a cockiness that comes from midwest players from this scene you know I was actually somebody came into work today wearing a hum shirt and I was like hey blah 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 very cool shirt and then we just started talking about the midwest scene and he's like Oh yeah, Shiner is one of my favorite bands. Oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, you just have when you hear it and you're into it, it, you get it. changes the the whole thing for you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I remember when Neil was asking us what's so great about Jason Gherkin, and we're like, it's all attitude, man. It's just pure, like you said, cockiness. I mean, there's such good musicianship on top of it, clearly, but the thing that makes it so like you know what it, it is, is that. Um, it's a John Bonham thing. Right. It's like this this willingness to just go like I'm the fucking drummer, and I'm gonna just oh, do it. I can't believe I didn't mention John Bonham. He's actually one of mine too. You're not a huge John Bonham guy. Uh, I like John Bonham's playing. I'm not a huge Led Zeppelin fan. I, I would say I'm. Here's my favorite thing about Houston's drummer. The guy just plays Jelly Bean kits. He just says he doesn't care about matching his stuff up, and he says, "All right, well, <laughs> yeah, here's, yeah, a, yeah. here's a cool." 1950 Slingerland Tom that just sounds phenomenal. Yeah. So I'm going to buy that. together. And I want this bass drum because it's this Rad Rogers bass drum. I love drum. when people do that. Yeah. If you're not, like, sponsored, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know? I mean, I'm a, I, I, you know, for me, it's like I approach all my instrument buying from an aesthetic standpoint first, and then it's got to sound good. But if it doesn't look really, really cool to me, I don't yeah. want it. Yeah, yeah, And so I get where that side of it comes from, though, because, you know, if you sit there and you play a bass drum, you're like, man, this thing sounds great, but the rest of the kit doesn't really hold up to another set of toms you have or something yep, yep. mix them up okay i'm gonna move down the line uh this is some old school shit like early inspiration for for yours truly buddy rich oh yeah throwing it back jazz master i don't think i'll ever catch myself like just listening to buddy rich on record it's all about the video man oh, god i love there watching some, that guy play the drums he's a pit bull he's he is a, he crouches over and he i mean and again, everything's in context, like the context of the era that he came from. There's a really great video. Um, don't, yeah. Let's see. Do do that one. Do the, the bugle call rag. Watch this, Josh. If this is the same one, he just fucking goes off. Oh, Jesus. There's an old video of him playing like a drum battle with Gene Krupa, and he just smokes Gene Krupa. And he, Gene Krupa is supposed to be the best drummer of the 40s or whatever. Look at his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get it, get it. Really, he was an asshole. 
Yeah, you just have to have you, you know, you just have this um, massive command of of every rudiment that you can pull out at any point that you ever want to. Fast forward a little bit. Never in my life will I ever be able to do that <laughs> drum roll. I know, and it seems so like, oh, cool, he's just doing a bunch of shit on the snare drum. Some old guy. But that is crazy shit. Like, t- technically-wise, that's so hard to do. Oh, and to yeah. do it in time, he never stops. That's such a fast tempo to be playing that shit. Absolutely. And by the way, that, like, I can't even do it fast enough with my mouth. But, like, that thing on the right hand that he's doing the whole time. Yeah. Go ahead, try that at, at oh, that tempo. Feel faster. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just sound it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, buddy, Rich, he, he's the he's the man. Um, yeah, Josh. Okay, so man. Oh, but sorry, let me go back. You should watch that Gene Krupa versus Buddy Rich drum battle someday because oh, yeah. it's nice. again they're both show up in suits. It's young Buddy Rich. I think it's the fifties. And Sammy uh, Davis Jr. is like the host of it. So he p- points to Gene Krupa. Yeah. And he's like, you know, like, really, it's cool. It's cool. But it was probably really cool for the 40s, right? And then Buddy Rich just sits down, this young kid kind of stretches out and he just smokes him. And it's like, oh, that's where Drummy's going. You see it in one guy. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's, that's taken off. Anyway, continue, Josh. Yeah, so, um, you know, then one of the other kind of categories that I was thinking about was, like, who made me just hear drums in a way that I hadn't ever heard him before. Um, you know, I'll say, like, Danny Carey, I'd heard drums like that. You know, they're rock drums, essentially. Mm-hmm. And his embellishments are the thing that, like, make him so unique and make him such, like, a pivotal person in drumming. But then I can think back to a moment when I heard a piece of music... Um, shout out to uh, our old buddy Chad Farmer in Japan mm-hmm. um, showed me a band and uh, let me just find the section here no old Damon Jay oh yeah Freak is all music. It's all one guy. Did you hear us talk about him on the last episode? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all this just... Did we do a decent uh, job of... Oh, yeah, and I mean, all this stuff that's so funny about him, like, you know, just sit there, just take his pants off playing his boxers and just sweat his ass off, <laughs> his dick out. and nuts just kind of hanging to the side, uh, talking shit to the crowd all the time. Always. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. one of the all-time greats, and again, not a whole lot of people know about him, which is so crazy. 
Yeah, but he's a he's of, a he's a love or hate kind of guy. Like there's going right. to be people that just really do not get on board. No. Um, so I remember hearing that, and I was like, I because I mean, you know stuff like that that we just heard. It's not like no one has ever done anything like it. Yeah. Um, certainly nobody's ever done it in that kind of context of the band that he's in. Yeah. But um, you know, we didn't grow up listening. We grew up listening to rock music, so. It wasn't like we grew up with parents that were listening to fusion and jazz mm-hmm. all the time. Um, My parents were listening to like early Genesis. That stuff was pretty nuts. But yeah. I yeah. But I mean, that's prog music. And, and j- you know. swing jazz and stuff. Yeah. And so I just remember hearing that and just going, oh, I've never heard anybody do anything like that. Before. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I must have spent five, six months like putting, putting this particular record what Burns Never Returns by Don Caballero on regularly just trying to you see were, if I could understand it because I didn't we thought you understand were it. were either losing your mind or you were just really in love with this band. Yeah, it took just, me a while to get it. Yeah. When, it when it hit, though, it was I remember fucking you showed, crazy, man. You showed, there's two times that you showed me bands where I not only didn't get it, but I was laughing at your face. <laughs> like, ha-ha, why do you like this? The first one is Don Cab. It's the second one is the Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. I remember you showing the Dillinger Escape Plan Mike Patton EP. And you're like, dude, I don't know if I – you even said, like, I don't know if I hate this or if this is the best thing ever. Well, I definitely had listened to that band for a long time before that. But that, yeah, I mean, I like, heard them too, but I didn't, I didn't like, that dig was a, in the way you That did. was a pretty uh, insane – I mean, it is – I'm the bastard of our hammer. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a pretty insane so record. Yeah. Um, we will rock you. It's only four songs, and I could have definitely handled – Fuck two more albums of that i know although it's like i love Homeboy did love 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 miss machine of course um i love ironworks love ironworks like i'm a so fan. it's like you know i'm so thankful they ended up finding that singer because greg to greg me is a much better fit for that band than yeah. their original singer and there's going to be diehard fans that'll totally disagree with that but that's fine are you do you have more to say about damage a yeah so um, I think that I just ended up hearing, oh, so I was like trying to like regularly listen to this band to really see if I could figure it out and understand it. Because when I would hear it, what I would hear was just like jamming full yeah. on just jams. Like, uh, they, yeah, they're just like going into something they didn't plan on and then they just kind of roll with it, whatever. Um, and it didn't sound like it was premeditated as much as it turns out it really is. Right. And I remember, um, the apartment that I lived in with Mark over by shoot park the apartment the apartment um which i still can't fucking believe they let me have a drum set yeah uh, that was so right. i know <laughs> nobody let me have a drum set nobody called the cops because they you were worried about going to jail themselves so yeah, that was no one gave a very shit. fortunate right. and, a great uh, environment to be yeah. able to live um but there was a moment when i was cleaning stoned as hell and i heard a thing happen on the drum set that was like holy shit that's the cue like, they've been doing this thing. It's just yeah. rolling and churning, and it's just this chaos. Mm. And then I heard a bell hit go, like, ding dong. And then <laughs> one at the end of that bar, the band switched into the next section. And then I was like, oh, that's how I can find it. That's how I can start to, like, know the songs. And, like, now I can listen to Don Caballero songs, and I can hear I, – I can play air guitar to every guitar part, bass part, drum right. part. You, you know, know, I mean, I, you know I'm going to not hit every drum note, but I can – you can have I can it. get through a lot of it. I bet you can. And um, 
it took that realization that it was this controlled chaos for me to go like, Oh, I understand what this band's doing now. And, um, that's what does it for me with that guy is it's controlled chaos. Cause everyone in the band's very cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of the band, but like that guy plays drums like nobody else. He sounds like there's eight people playing sometimes <laughs> and not to mention again, like I'm a big fan of drum tones and sounds that people achieve. Yeah. And he just does this thing where he's got a couple things going one, his drums just sound insanely huge, and he just plays these, this old Pearl kit. You talked about it before where he's never changed his resonant heads, and so it's like, you know, you don't have to ever change them, but it, it definitely just, helps to funny, keep the drums yeah. going. But um, he also plays a lot of, like, Sabian B8 cymbals, which are, like, the, the cheapest cymbals you can buy. Right. Um, but the thing is about him... Um, and Stefan can attest to this. He recorded um, Surprise Country. Aaron, the singer, was in a band called Shame Lady mm. before that that were killer. And their drummer was a badass. And on the record that Stefan did, the cymbals just are phenomenal sounding. Just like they cut, they crash, they chirp, like they're super aggressive sounding. Mm. Um, yeah, you can see one in that picture right there. Right. Just ter- you know, Terrible. Shitty cymbal. Um but they have this ability to cut through because of the metals that are used um, that they have all these weird overtones. So they just cut. And then he also uses two snares. So he's got one snare that he mainly uses um, in that weird position down by his ankles uh, that just is tuned lower. And then he's got a side snare over to the right by his floor tom that he uses all the time that's tuned way, way up. And so he's got these two distinct drum snare tones that'll use at the same time like and they'll like bounce back and forth between the two snares um yeah i always forget about that little snare on the side yeah so it's just yeah it's just this controlled chaos and that's that's that guy's deal for me is um he just doesn't care at all like he literally doesn't care he talks shit to the crowd and then he just beats the hell out of his drum set so Another drummer that really does the same kind of thing for me, too, that I'm sure that you guys haven't really heard much of, um, but have been one of my favorite bands for many, many years at this point, um, The Velveteen. Yeah, I never really... Um, their really drummer that, that they got, they, they, they had an original drummer. That um, That's and, like one of his favorite bands, right? Well, Ryan wouldn't love that band as much, I think, um, for the stuff that I like, although I do like all of their their records. But the, the, the band that... so. Cross-Tide, Ryan's original band, or main band that he was in for such a long time, they used to play with the Velveteen a lot, and they mm-hmm. played with them during the earlier years of the Velveteen, which wasn't as crazy and chaotic as they ended up getting. Um, and that was with their old drummer, who ended up passing away. I think uh, he had brain cancer. Um, so the drummer they got after him is a guy named Casey Dietz, um, and he does the same kind of thing as Damon Shea, uh, you know, his own kind of approach to it. Um, but it's just this controlled chaos. He has so, he plays so many notes and he does fills that you just could not imagine getting yourself to ever be able to physically do or fit them into this, uh, little tiny section. Nice. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with it, but I, anything you suggest, I'll, I yeah, hang on. Let's see if I can find something here that I can just give us a quick little reference. Do it. Do it. Yeah. This would be a good one. Let's hear it. Thank you. 
Look at that snare drum. Super cool, man. Can't um, listen to that band more. The Velvet Team, right? The right Velvet Team, the Velvet Vel- Team, yeah. Velveteen. Um, yeah, and so those are two. Those are two of my favorite drummers that have been, you know, in that kind of part of my brain. Can you, before we move on to a different drummer, can you explain to me <laughs> and to non-drummers how the hell Damon Che plays? the part that you played for everyone the yeah so it's a cowbell is like the first how is he doing the hi-hat though so the hi-hat is a technique where you actually like splash it with kind of um so the pst, pst, he's not hitting with a stick right? yeah you he basically um you bounce your foot against the hi-hat but instead of like pushing down on it like you would like like normal with your kind of maybe the um kind of maybe the play it again oh yeah 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 he's like doing some weird shit with his foot to make it yeah so it's not you, uh, normally when you're counting time or doing anything on a hi hat like that you're using your toes like right under your toe um to right. kind of push down into the hi hat uh, when you do this kind of sound when you're trying to achieve this sound for your hi-hat you actually like don't use your toes you use your heel like you bounce the heel up against it so you, you actually bounce them back and forth so it's like you do <laughs> the downbeat on your toes like normal but then when you lift up you actually bounce your high your your heel over and then it just splashes the hi-hat so it goes like right um which right listen to hi-hat people that he's doing that with his foot only really hard to do okay yeah and so i mean that's yeah that's that's allowing his hands to like bounce around on toms when it comes in and then because that 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 one track of him doing the hi-hat would for me and andrew to do it it would sound like if we were just using our stick like a disco beat, you know, just the yeah. open thing, which would eliminate you using that hand for right. another part of the drum set. Right. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that oh. that particular <laughs> technique that he uses is part of how he sounds the way that he does. He sounds like yeah. there's a second person because he does that shit all the time. Uh, the, I think they call it like oh. one of his nicknames was the octopus, and because it just sounds like he has eight limbs playing at the same I always time. I was called the uh, Danny Carey, the the great octopus. Um, so yeah, those two guys cool. have this kind of controlled chaos. That's the way that I would describe them. Love it, uh, Andrew. You got one for the for the group. Did we talk about Joey Castillo last time? I don't know. I have that written down too because I couldn't remember either. He's deaf. I don't know. Let's assume we have it because he's a beast. Yeah, I love the parts he wrote uh, mm-hmm. in Queens of the Stone Age. But it's kind of weird when he played live. Like I didn't like how he choked his ride. He always crashed on it. I really, like I really shit. did not like that. Yeah, but he always sped up. Yeah. But you know what? He's better now. Well, yeah, like you play he's him, tightened um, the fuck up since he left Queens. Yeah, he's I a fucking miss him, maniac. Though. I think he's better for Queens than John Theodore. 
Oh, I thought we disagreed on that. You know, well, I'm, I think you I, came around to it. I am coming around to it. I fought it for so long. This is the wrong dude for that band. Um, uh, you know, I like talking about drummers. You know, I've got John Theodore and Thomas Pridgen, who are both Mars Volta. Thomas, Pr- I alumni. am. Uh, I, I don't get it. Here's the thing. I love that Tom, record. Oh, he Thomas. Oh, yeah. Well, clear. Thomas Pridgen is so good. I, I could. I. I mean, obviously, I'd be a dumb fuck to say he's not a good drummer. But he's not my thing. Like, every time I see him play, he's just fucking, he's just always doing a fill. And he's always chaos. And it's just like, all right, we get it. Yeah, lay, lay I it mean, you know, point. he's one of those dudes that um, I wouldn't necessarily say is one of my favorite drummers so much as I love what he did with the Mars Volta. That guy's too, by the way. Uh, Bedlam is, you know, for me, it's like that record is probably my favorite record. No. I know. I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, it's just like not it, it, like there's things that i like about it mm. um more so but yeah. yeah the way he plays with that band is um i think he allowed the band to do more of what they were capable of doing sure in terms of like uh actual like technically like technical abilities that maybe john theodore couldn't really keep up with but yeah. john theodore just has the feel and the funk well i mean back to joey castillo or is it castillo or castillo castillo i'd say say castillo castillo joey castillo he i mean what so what do you love about him andrew oh he's an animal yeah uh, i just like the white the parts he wrote for with queens it's just like it's like a perfect fit Perfect. I was like, you know, wasn't, that wasn't too much of a hero but just played like really bad badass straight (laughs) yep yeah just like straight to the fucking point watching him live is just it's just so much conviction and yeah that's a that, i mean that's some meat and potatoes that's right a there. meat and potatoes yeah. right there for sure yeah I, I dig that guy a lot but the shit he's playing now with uh what is it oh zach wild um yeah uh, zach sabbath have you seen <laughs> the other band he plays into in? that he plays oh, in like a, a punk band, band? yeah uh, those shows talk. are so cr- yeah tra- there's like no let's stage watch, let's, let's watch some of that shit yeah his yeah. instagram is the shit yeah it's just like the crowd is all over the band Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that looks fun. Objectively fun. He's got a cool, like, way he plays, too. It's pretty original. You know, this makes me think of his... Uh... I mean, they don't sound like him, but it just kind of made me think about it for a second. Is every time I die, and um, wonderful to have Goose playing drums in Every Time I Die. Yeah, I know. Good for him, man. That's so cool. That's some big league shit, man. That guy deserves it, man. It's fucking awesome. He better like touring a lot because they always tour. Yeah. I mean, that Every Time I Die is one of those bands that, whether you like him or not, if you're a rock guy, you have to take your hat off to him. Oh, they're the baddest. Dude. They're just the baddest. They've been around forever. They never take a break. Not really. Yeah. They're just road dogs, man. Look at this shit. Yeah, this is the video. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Rowdy as fuck. 
He's the shit. As a uh, as a mid thirties adult, I uh, am afraid of shows like that now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'm all set on those shows, yeah. man. I'd maybe be there, but I would definitely be in the back. Yeah, I'd, I'd be up on the balcony <laughs> watching. Yep, yep. Speaking yep. of Queens of the Stone Age, didn't you get puked on, James, at uh, the Rosalind? <laughs> sure did. <laughs> From the balcony, someone puked on you. Dude, that that <laughs> night sucked ass. I forget what else had happened. Something else was like just not going. They have right. pretty rowdy shows. Yeah, just a beer drinking crowd, man. I was right around the merch corner at the Roseland, and then I just happened to step out just a little bit, and someone puked directly on me. <laughs> now, yeah, I remember because I was thinking about buying a shirt, <laughs> and then I was like, nah, it was like fifty bucks. I don't want to buy one. And then I stepped out, and that bitch puked all over my back. <laughs> and so I was like, yep, guess I'm buying the shirt. Took off my shirt in real time and bought a band shirt. <laughs> Wait, what's that video? Joey. What's Zach the handle? The Joey C? Okay. Yeah, The Joey C. It's like a 14 by 26. Yeah, kick drum. Zach Wilde, that guy's got some ugly guitars. And a really ridiculous voice. <sighs> he's a badass, though. Um, they play, uh, Bla- what's their name? The band he's in? The big, can't, Black Label Society. Mm-hmm. They played at the Crystal Ballroom, and, like, I wasn't a, I'm still not a huge fan of him, but you couldn't, like, deny it that night. Yeah, I mean, he's just, it's so fucking metal and badass. And, he, I mean, they tore the place down. Uh, I also wanted to say, because there's a lot of talk about the Midwest scene that we were all influenced by so much, and then um, obviously Gherkin's a big talk when it comes oh, yeah. to Shiner. Um, He's coming on the show soon. I love me some Tim Dow. Okay. That, I was just going to say, like, let's move on and say a ne- another one. That's literally on my list, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that that I was just Tim Dow say. might be a, a top five guy for me. It's, it's That's a close one. So tell the people who he is. Tim Dow was the original drummer for Shiner. And um, he was the drummer that we saw the first time we were introduced to Shiner, uh, which was opening for Hum when we were little youngins. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he just has this uh, mechanical approach to his drumming. Um, yeah. So, like, clinical. And that whole Lula Davinia era, and that's all him. That cr- this beat right here, my life as a housewife. Yeah, there's a lot of cool guitar playing in the mm-hmm. band during this time, but you know he was like playing a lot more like dirty, muddy chords, like he's playing here. And so much of the song is just based around his drumming. Here, Andrew, I'll play it from the side. I want to play that beat real quick. Yeah. You know. All right. This song from Shiner is called "My Life as a Housewife" with the drummer Tim Dow. Check it out. It's still so crazy, that intro. One more time. One more time. (laughs) 
so good. So what's so funny is he like that up as a kid song. hearing that, I was like, how could you ever do that? Like, who, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't learn how to play that drum beat. And yeah, no. uh, Crummit learned how to play it. He was the first one that ever learned how to do it because mm-hmm. he, um, as far as I know, he, he learned most of that album um, when he was taking drum lessons when we were kids. Yep. And he was like learning how to read and transcribe music. Uh, Crummit is a sneaky drummer because you forget how good he actually is. Yeah, it's just he doesn't he doesn't use it anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah. like, I mean, even like it's it's even when he was doing crashes and stuff, there was a lot of really cool things he'd be doing there. But he was playing just more rock at that right. time. He wasn't pulling out some of like oh, he can, he can hang cool he tricks. Um, but what you find out about that drum part later on is that it's just about the actual sticking. Like you have to mm-hmm. just it's, it's a like, commit to it. Yeah, you have it's like you, t- you maybe you turn around from what you you're used to doing, and as long as you can start to incorporate different sticking patterns than you're yeah. used to. Um, then you can figure well, it out. Well, Josh, we've talked about this a hundred times, but d- drumming has always been, to me, in a lot of ways, similar to skateboarding in the way that it's like, it's so physical, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's all about like doing a fill is very similar to like learning how to do a kickflip or a heel flip. Like it's just about that muscle memory. Yeah. You got to try, you don't, you don't learn how to do a 360 kickflip the first time you try it. No. You're going to probably try that trick. 50 times at least yeah before you land it the first time and then it's going to take you 200 attempts before you land it on a somewhat regular right basis and maybe not even and, and you have it to might start take you 500 small. times you, <laughs> you know? start with an ollie first then you ollie over the curb and then you know yeah doing 180 and yeah but anyway that i always thought like those kind of beats and those kind of fills it's very similar like as long as you're committing to the placement of your hands you know like the way that you flick off the board with your foot like if you do it the right way, you're always going to do a kickflip. You know, you yeah, just learn the, how to do that. And the thing is, I would say too, you know, with that analogy is that when you're first getting into it, doing an ollie and just getting yourself to lift off of the ground yeah. is an amazing feeling. It seems impossible. And much like, you know, the thing that happens when people sit down, they all play the same horse shit drum beat yep you know why does everyone that's actually like pretty advanced from if it's like the first thing you can play right because like trying to get your hands and your your you know your foot and your right hand to do anything different is pretty impressive but you know once you've landed a kickflip and then you're like okay cool and then once you do the 360 kickflip now you're you've opened yourself up to be able to do yeah. any trick that's in the book as long as you can put the time in. Same thing with drumming. Once you hit a certain point and you've learned how to do certain fills with muscle memory or certain feels, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you can like react in a moment. Totally. You know, when you're playing a show and like maybe pull a fill out that you hadn't done before or try something just to see if you can get there. Or if you drop your stick, you know, to get back in and yeah. Absolutely. There's there's one beat that I always say that um, for me like really taught me like the meat and potatoes of how to break up your limbs when you like. So dr- the beat drain you. Yeah. You know, do da do da But when I was a kid, I used to think it was where you hit the da 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 You hit the your right hand. Yeah, yeah the, you hit your hi hat twice too. Yeah, you, you don't. don't. You hit it once. It's just the right hand stays. Doing that, what is that, an eighth note? Yeah. Tut, You know, the, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's kind of hard to explain over audio, but <laughs> um, learn that beat and you'll, you'll learn how to play some rock drums. But yeah, so Tim Dow, I mean, that guy just has like this very, very 
kind of like clinical play way that he plays the drums and it Agreed. um he's great it was a big it, i mean for me it was like a big thing because it was like maybe the first time that i was really having to be aware of like knowing what you're playing and playing it the same every time mm-hmm. and then um and he's all he was also one of the first guys that i i realized that you can be in a rock band you don't have to hit super, super hard, fucking hard yeah. all the time you definitely hit with conviction but you don't have to Dave Grohl. All right, I need to piss super goddamn bad. So let's all take a ceremonial piss break and we'll jerk each other off and we'll be right back. back uh, uh. i had a pee so hoard josh did you pee so hoard mm, i peed my pants <laughs> wow wow i'm so lucky well you're just lucky that there's a blanket under me yeah <laughs> i guess that's right andrew by the way is a goddamn camel he'll just sit here all night <laughs> and drink 25 <laughs> beers and never pee i'll pee once while being here because uh, i have the bladder of a little girl little, little camel boy Mm-hmm. That's your rap name, dude. Little little camel. Oh, little camel boy. <laughs> Come at you, little little camel. <laughs> What's with all the lils with rappers know. right now? You know, I'm. I don't. Like the, I, don't I really. Pump. I don't yeah, like to talk many. about current rap music. It makes me it's so bummed. So. Fucking I know there's a bad. lot of good stuff that's going well, on. Of course, out there, but man, little Zanny. What's fuck that? Fuck that buck tooth fucking face tatted. Dweeb. What a shitty face for a generation of no music kidding, listeners, man. man. Yeah, L- really Lil Pump, nah, 17-year-old kid, nah, the rainbow. You know what? Haircut. I'm actually, my big thing, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is like no, some man. of them are maybe going to, none of them are going to survive rap. Like none of them are going to have successful They're going to die. They're all taking careers. fucking painkillers and Xanax. But for me, the thing I like to know is that most of them are going to end up being 35 years old. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have spent all their money on, mm-hmm. you know, whatever kind of dumb shit you you spend on it, it, or you spend it on. And then they're gonna be bummed. Oh yeah, like uh, what was that guy Lil Peep who just passed away last year? Do you remember him, Josh? Yeah, and actually, I thought his stuff was okay. Yeah, it was like emo. Yeah, yeah, he was probably the best out of all of them. But yeah, he fucking OD. You know that you know who's the best out of all of them? Post Malone. Yeah, I don't like his music. I think he's pretty funny. I, I, you know, I never, I didn't hear him. I just really saw quiet. like his his image, and I was just like, ugh. But yeah. <laughs> um, I actually was listening to something. I was like, who's this? This is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Well, you have to show it to me because I haven't heard anything that I like. Oh, yet. I don't know songs. I'm not going to be like, this is my favorite song. Every time I hear him on, and somebody's like, this post Malone, I'm like, damn, this guy's probably uh, doing the better stuff out of most. Right. All right. Well, uh, so we just did Tim Dow. Um, I want to do Billy Reimer. Oh yeah, that's more of a, a quick, but we can. I like Billy Reimer. Give, definitely give for the, the Chris Penny days of the. Uh... But he's a young motherfucker. He's so good. Yeah, he is so good. And he's definitely got a, a future ahead of him. Oh yeah, he pretty much can point and choose whatever project he wants to play in at this point. But I don't know if I actually think that I like Chris Penny more in Dillinger or uh, Gil Sharon. I Gil I Sharon, think they're all I think just might different. Be my jam for when it comes to Dillinger. 
I think Gil Sharon was good for that record. Was that Ironworks? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Billy Reimer was good for the end of Dillinger. I don't know. That's kind of how I see that band. Like, I don't think Chris, is Chris Penny. Chris Penny, yeah. I, you know, he was great for that era. I just, I'm not sure if he, like, I don't know. I mean, that's the whole thing, know. though. That's where it gets so tough to is, that. like, he really is an insane drummer when it comes so to what he did in Dillinger. What, do you think that was the best music he did with Dillinger? Um, yeah, he played in Coheed and Cambria after that for right. a long time. And, um... I like the the original Kohi drummer. That guy's cool. The yeah, open Josh Shepard. Yeah. Um, I love the Gilshron stuff when he gets more into like his reggae yeah, side of his playing because that's kind of his main deal. Kinda, yeah. But man, the stuff he did on Ironworks is very, very, very cool. Yeah, I he's amazing, and I hadn't even really heard of him until either you told me about him or found him. You know, he plays for now. Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson. Oh, dude. that's right. That's a great fit. Hopefully he's treated well. Oh, talk about drummers. You guys are talking about um, God. What's his name? Why can't I think of his name? Um, the guy that played for Nine Inch Nails during like the Fragile tour. Yeah, that, Andrew and I love that guy. Uh, uh, Drum Dylan. Dylan yeah. Drum Dylan. Yeah, dude. He had, he had a charm. Oh okay, man. man, I love that. His fucking style tour. of playing so underrated. was so fucking cool. So cool. Like he had that kind of like lanky, like cool lanky yeah. drummer yeah. guy thing, but like his like. Hey I don't even pig. know how to explain it. Or, you know, like, during, like, Hey Pig. Right. Right. That Super drumming crazy. is beautiful. Um, but, man, beautiful. you guys Yeah, are, he was uh, really, really crafty. Uh, what's, what's Homeboy's name that plays for him now? Elon Rubin. He's, Elon on, my, Rubin. he's on my list. Man. That guy is unreal. Jesus, he's good. Talk about a drummer hitting hard. He's the only drummer oh that God. hits uh, overly hard that I actually really love the way that he plays. Does he always play open, Josh? He always plays open, yeah. yeah. D- uh, describe what open means to those who don't open know. Open hand would be um, a band that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> not, not the band. <laughs> <laughs> the English uh, translation for karate. Um, open hand would be where you approach all your playing. You play right. You play like a right. You set up like a right hand drummer. But then you play your lead and like hi hat and ride and stuff like that is with your left hand instead of your right hand. So you're never so you actually over. yeah you don't cross your hands over. Right. There's a lot of guys that do it. Um, one of my favorite drummers of all time that I was going to bring up would be Carter Beauford from Dave yep. Matthews Band. Yeah, we brought him up last time. I think. Um, I believe just a yeah. phenomenal drummer. Uh, people uh, people give that band some, some. I mean, he's one of your favorite guys, right? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Okay. I mean, he would be. I you know I think if I was like narrowing this down, he's in my top five. Yeah, just because we talked to him last time, I, I want you to talk about him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's just he just has like a really beautiful approach to playing the drums. He's so like he approaches it from like the song. I think he like helps to move the songs because aside from what I think that people have is like an image of Dave Matthews Band. Like I actually am a big Dave Matthews Band fan. I like I like I'd say like twenty percent of it. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and, and I mean, what I don't like is the the um, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Kind of I don't like the Dave Birkenstock Matthews. cargo shorts fucking hippie thing they do. Yeah, but, but that's like, really the audience. That's not really you know, they've got some pretty crazy stuff. And Dave Matthews himself is a very, very cool guitar player. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can sit there and think about oh what he's doing God. on guitar versus what he's doing on vocals, that's right. Not to mention the How bass player, the bass player. Oh my God! And that weird fucking fiddle player guy that. 
plays a fiddle that isn't really like playing a fiddle. Yeah. He like uh, plucks it a lot, I guess that's how you describe it. Yeah, Car- Carter Buford, he's the so man. So what, you know, part of the thing that Carter Carter does that's so neat is that um, he's got his ride cymbal right there that he's playing on right now that has the bell. And then next to it, I don't know if right now he has it next to it, but for a long time he was using a flat ride, which doesn't have a bell. And it gets rid of, like, the pinginess of the cymbal, and it just is all just shimmery wash. So instead of a ride sounding kind of like ting, 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 it just goes... Right. It's like right. just a kind of, like, sound. Make that sound one more time. <laughs> okay, did you get it, Andrew? All right. <laughs> uh, and then he would be doing hi-hat, syncopated hi-hat patterns on top of that ride. And so right. it would have this, like, underlying kind of wash that was going behind yeah. his hi-hat pattern. That's a really major technique that he would use. Yeah, he's, he's the fucking man. Um, a little bit dorky, for sure. You know, you don't got to wear a racing jacket to play drums. Or, <laughs> sure don't. You know, the second yeah. I see a drummer put gloves on, I'm gloves a little on. bit disappointed. It's a little, little much. But number 41. Okay, hang on. The video, There's a fill that he does in this where he goes around his toms. The song number 41. This song yeah. right here in this video. Right here. So crazy. I'm going to rewind that one again real fast. (laughs) Do that one more time. And it's like, it's a, you know, it's right hand kick pattern to give it like a real fill feel, like a roll feel. See, his left hand's playing that um, ride. Mm -hmm. So he could do the syncopated hi hat stuff. Yep. That's right. If anyone wants to look this up, just type in Carter Buford on YouTube. Number 41 is the name of the song. Yeah, this is actually from his drum DVD that he released. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he used to play this all the time. Yeah, he's so clean. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is he even doing? <laughs> Look at that slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they get heavy when you slow them down. <laughs> How sludgy. Crash into me. Man, have you guys listened to those? all those pop songs slowed down? Uh, no, they'll, I like, think so. They'll sl- like, slow them down like five times or something like oh, that. Yeah. They just yeah. get huge. It's so funny. <laughs> it's very cool. Let's uh, let's do a couple honorable mentions. Let me. I'll I'll wrap it out a few, and then you guys can. Okay, Stuart Copeland, dope as fuck. Yeah, huge fan of him. Uh, I think I said this last time, but just in case I didn't, Alan Cage of Quicksand. Oh, yeah. He's New personally York one of my favorites. Yeah, just a pure badass. Um, Chris Robin, the drummer of Far. Oh yeah, you guys didn't bring him up last time. No. I thought about that. Yeah, right. He fucked up. Um, so that those open are my, hand drummer as well. Those are my quick ones. What do you got, Josh? So, um, one that you guys, you know, you're talking about like that kind of Bonham feel a little bit with Gherkin last time. I think you maybe said something like that, or I just said it this time. I don't remember, but, um, you know, this isn't a favorite drummer of mine necessarily, but, um, at this point, I guess that doesn't matter. Um, but Rob Smith from the band Train Dodge is another Midwestern band that this guy is so powerful. Like, there is nobody that plays rock drums like this guy. He hits so hard, and he just has this, you know, 
balls, ballsy sound. And then he kind of has his bottom kind of feel. Um, two guys that I really would bring up. Um, so I, I get into a lot of clinical drummers, Jojo Mayer, Damon yep. or uh, Benny Greb. Um, Antonio Sanchez is a kind of clinician, but he's also like a famous jazz drummer. Um, those are all guys I love, but, okay. um, you know, one, one of my favorite drummers, and I think this came for me like way later into their career. I mean, I didn't get into them much earlier in their career, but um, Phil Selway from Radiohead. Yeah. Is. Amen. I don't he hear that is often enough. The, he is just a Unreal. beautiful player. Like, he. Does it is, drive you crazy when people say that he's not a good drummer? Oh, he's a phenomenal drummer. It, it's it drives me a little bit crazy, but I think I what people don't think about is how much he, his, his his drums are affecting like how the song comes across. Oh, for sure. Um, and his drum tones. Um, again, so you know, two guys that's going to kind of lump together for me that have a, a similar thing is um, Phil Selway and then Jimmy Lehner, Lehner, um, drummer from Tristeza. Yep. Um, they both have these just good. crazy drum tones, and every record you'll hear eight different, completely different drum sounds. Yeah. Um, and they have this cool push and pull that they can do uh, that I think kind of lends to the bands. And both of those guys, are you talking about Phil and him? Yeah. Drum Radiohead, drummer of Tristasia. Both of those guys, um, they play in a genre that's not supposed to be a genre in which like we would say, you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't pull that genre and go like those drummers are rad. Yeah. Cause it's like such a chill, different kind of genre, but I don't even know what I'm saying. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? It's not like the stereotypical genre that you would think a rad drummer would exist in, I guess. Is what I'm saying. Okay. So I want to give my last two, sh- um, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this at all and they want to maybe hear some really neat drumming that, um, that I think needs attention. Um, there's two bands that um, have been huge influences for me, um, both from just like a technical playing standpoint, as well as just pushing a little bit of boundaries on an instrument sometimes would be um, a band called Aiming for Enreich. They're from Norway. Um, drummer's name is Tobias, and then some letter that I can't pronounce. Um <laughs> But uh, they're an instrumental duo, uh, a lot of loop, a lot of loops um, to the point that I the kind of looping that happens on a guitar that you're you you either can do it or you can't. Right. Um, And then um, a band called Dawn of Midi uh, from New York, and they um, are a massively polyrhythmic band Um, and the drummer uh, Kasim. Knock V. Um, his drumming is, is, I think, some of the coolest drums that have been done in the last five Sweet. years. I'll go check him out. Oh, before I forget, I'll interrupt you, but before I forget, another honorable mention, the guy from the band Mew, M-E-W. Oh, my God. I did not have him on his list. And he, right? uh, yeah, I knew you'd like that one. That I mean, guy he, is yeah. so good. In such a weird fucking way. Oh, my God. I love how he plays drums. Oh, my God. He's so good. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I guess I would put him in a top five. Really? Yeah. I could see that for you. I mean, I think if I wanted to say my top five drummers, 
and I just we I haven't even that. really said top five, so I'm just gonna list my top five. Do it. Be. Do it. Danny Carey. Okay. Damon Che. Damon Che. Of course. Um. What the, whatever the hell his name is from Mew. What is his name, Andrew? Um, Can you look that up? His name is Silas, I think. Uh, yeah, Utic or something. Yeah, Silas. Cool. Um, and then uh, Tim Dow. Really? He's number four for you? He'd be in my top five, I think, yeah. Wow. Um, and then um, probably... Fuck. God, that's hard. Probably Phil Selway from Radiohead. Because it's one of these things. Like, there's all these drummers that I love. I, know. I love Matt Cameron. How many like, do you have written down there? I mean, oh, I've got 20, 25. Do a top 10. And then, yeah, Matt Cameron. Okay. Jason Gherkin. Okay. Brian St. Pierre. Okay. Um, Two more. Carter Beauford. And I'll say, yeah, Antonio Sanchez. From what band? He's, play, um, he's played in a lot of different, ja- like, jazz bands, but... Um, He's mainly jazz drummer. He's the guy that did um, the Birdman soundtrack. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's cool. Uh, and then um, he, he actually scored. I think it. I got one left. Name. I'll say Mark Giuliano, who's a drum uh, jazz drummer as well. Nice. You got any honorable mentions, Andrew? The Life and Times drummer. Yes, that was pretty badass. Those last couple of shows we saw. Yeah, yeah, he's a great. I think his name's Chris Metcalf. He looks like a goddamn computer programmer. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But he's <laughs> fucking solid as fuck, man. Yeah, he's super good. What else? Uh, I think that's it. Nice, man. That's what I mean. It's so tough, man. I, it's tough. Him, what am I supposed to do with him? Like, I know. He's he like one of my favorites. But... He was in my top five. I don't know, man. What did I do? I had Dave Grohl, Josh Freese, Abe Cunningham. Um, I don't know who else. <laughs> my other two. Oh, Jason Gherkin. Mm, I don't know. Like what do I what I think that I like Abe Cunningham more than Brian St. Pierre? Do I have to know if I like one of them more than the other? I like them all. Gun to your head. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's try it again. Five, four, <laughs> Abe three. Cunningham. See, I'll give him. I'll give him. <laughs> That's the, how you decide. The push over 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 some humdrums. Only by a maybe it's because there's so many more records too. I got so right. much more material that I get to pull from That's, Mr. Cunningham. See, that's fair. God, that's so crazy. These guys are so talented. And Brian St. Pierre, like, after Hum, he just went on to just be a normal guy, right? Yeah. I don't think he even really drummed at anything else. That's so crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, I, One just and lo- done. I just love his drumming so much. But Just this uh, day yeah. job guy? Yeah. Woo. God, I don't like thinking of, like, your favorites. Like, what are you supposed to Oh, It was like uh, this weekend with Chino. I, we did this just to fill people in. We did a music conference. Me and Neil went down to this music conference down in Bend, and on the panel, one of the speakers was Chino from Deftones. Um, and uh, they were talking about how, like, a lot of people in Bend don't know who he is. <laughs> like, they have no idea. He'll he'll go walk the street with this guy that booked the the festival. His name's John, and it's just that's just so crazy to me. Like, I would know him from twenty blocks away easily. Right, world, yeah. <laughs> world, international rock star. But to all these fucking, you know, good old boys in Bend, Oregon, they had no idea who he was. And anyway, he—I guess he was getting his haircut from some old timer at a barbershop for the because he's lived there five years. And uh, this guy John, who gets his haircut there too, the, the the old guy was like, "Yeah, so that your friend Chino, you called him I think like 
uh, Gino at first or something. He's like, you mean Gino? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I heard he's like, he's like, he's in a really big band. He's in this really big rock band. And John's just like, yeah, he's in Deftones, bro. <laughs> like, anyway, that's just so weird to me that these people go on to just do normal guy shit. Like Brian, C- Brian St. Pierre went on to just work a normal job. Yeah, clock in, nine to five. You're shaking hands with this guy, and you don't know that. Yeah. I, remember, I remember hearing what he was in at the The guy in the break room was one of the best like drummers of all time. Doing, I was just doing, like, I work in finances or something for an yeah. auto company. Raising or, a family, just a dad. Yeah. I, I work at uh, the uh, the um, the uh, so refrigerators or something like, yeah. Tim Dow went on to be, like, a he sold, uh, he did, like, worked for Marlboro cigarettes or something for a while. <laughs> hey, man, got to pay the bills. He moved to, he moved to Los Angeles to not play music. <laughs> I'd like to um, add something on real fast just yep. that I, I didn't get to say as to like one thing I really wanted to point out for people that are interested in like hearing something they've never heard before. Uh, that band Don and Mitty, um, they have a record. It's called Dysnomia, and it was recorded once and scrapped mm. because it was not necessarily the kind of the the direction they wanted to put out to show like what they were attempting to do. And I think it was a year and a half later, they were able to actually go in to record what they ended up doing, which is these are guys are all jazz musicians. Um, they're all, eth- you know, eth- ethnicity wise, they're all from cultures that are very, very, very profoundly uh, polyrhythmic in their playing. Um, Moroccan, Indian. Um, and, the record, Dysnomia, is one long piece that's broken up into, I think it's eight sections, and it's recorded note for note what they have written, and I think they, and it's a, it's recorded live, and I think they wrote it out, wrote this music, and then notated note for note what they wanted to do, and then rehearsed it so many times, 50 times or whatever, wow. as one single run-through Holy to shit. record. That's so um, cool. And I saw yeah. them live. It's kind of pretentious, but it's um, pretty fucking cool. Well, if you listen to the record, you'll what you'll get from it is that it's like a test of endurance and precision. And it's not for me, I don't take it as like, oh, cool, you guys are showing off. I take it as like you're challenging the way you can play music Mm -hmm. beyond anything I think I personally heard. Um, But I saw them perform that at Mississippi Studios and never seen anything like it. Um, the nice. piano player basically plays keys and then reaches his hand into the piano to like mute strings. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> um, but yeah, if if you want to give yourself a chance to hear something, uh, it is also a test of endurance for yourself to listen to. It's like I think it's forty six minutes. Fuck yeah! Um, sit with it. I love it. That's some music snob shit that it's, I can get into. It is something. Hey, this is a very random question, Josh, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. But we, me and you saw a show years ago, and I don't remember what the show was. I don't remember who the headliner was, but I'll, I've tried to think of who this band was for years. The opening band was so bizarre and, like, I guess prog would be the word, but, like, really experimental and kooky and, like, circusy at points. And one of the guys literally had – put my water down. He, he had a – like a wooden a wheel with spokes on it and he was playing the he would spin the wheel and have like a stick in the spokes yeah like make that sound do you does that ring a bell to you at all 
No. <laughs> you were there. We were both looking at each other like, what the fuck are we watching? I may have been intoxicated. It's entirely possible. God damn it. I thought you might be able to know. I may not have cared, and I may have like walked out. and I'll never know who this band was. I'll never know. You, you don't know music. That venue. was one of the instruments. It was a mic'd up spoke. <laughs> mic'd up wheel. You don't remember the venue, though? I want to say it was like the one of the weird venues at PSU, like where we saw Dead Prez. Man, I really um, want to know what you are talking about now. <laughs> I might have even hated them then and would love them now. Yeah, I mean, we kind of hated them. Wouldn't that be we something? Loved them. You know who we didn't like it when we first saw them was Far. I also hate the Blood Brothers, too. Yeah. That drummer is fucking cool, too. He uh, is cool. Tony, no, something, what's his name? Something Indian, Pakistani. Yeah, that guy's a badass. All right. Let's move on here. That was a good drum segment. Uh, every week, Josh, I do a movie pick of the week. As mm. you know, I'm a huge movie buff. This week, I'm going to pick Hell or High Water. It's by the same people that did the movie Sicario. Have you seen that, Josh? Mm-mm. Dude, Sicario is hands down one of my favorite movies. This is pretty pretty close behind it. Not, not as good as Sicario, but definitely good. Um, I guess you describe it as like a modern Western. Um, yeah, t- story of two brothers who have to do some criminal shit to, I won't ruin the whole thing, but they basically have to, they're forced to do some criminal shit to save their family uh, for financial reasons. And it's based in like the middle of nowhere, Texas. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays one of the like old timer Texas Ranger cops that has to hunt them down. Super rad movie, really good soundtrack. And again, Hell or High Water. Play that shit, Andrew. Come Hell or High Water, get the money to the bank on Thursday. Yeah. I will certainly Fuck yeah. watch that. Yeah, it's it's super good. Hell or High Water, check or out. And also watch the Curio, Josh. Let me know what you think. All right. Um... We'll do a couple more things, Josh, with with you, our special guest of the week. <laughs> I have a would you rather, guys. What do you got? Oh, I love a would you rather. Okay. Also, from the one that I heard, um, I think, I don't actually, I've been listening to more of your, more of your podcast. There's one that's like the, the one everyone talks about. Um, I really appreciated the, the pube sandwich or licking oh. the ass of the 30... Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that was an intellectual yeah. question. Um, now, what do you got? one thing you guys didn't really think about is that if you were deciding between just the pubes or the asshole, like whatever, you didn't factor in the balls and dick on your chin. So let's, hold on, back on up. The, the would you rather is would you rather eat a, a pubic hair sandwich, a sandwich with a lot of pubic hair, or give a rim job to a bum that hasn't showered for 30 days. Jesus. By the way, that pubic hair sandwich is from that bum. Yeah, which so, I do like. Yeah, that's okay. a nice little... Um, so, what did you say <laughs> we missed? That something about the balls? Well, the problem with... Uh, it's like... It's not just the rim job. It's also smelly nuts on your Oh, did we choose... Nose. What did we choose? No, I chose the sandwich, right? I think I chose the pube sandwich, yeah. I mean, you have to choose the pube sandwich. That's because, my point. Oh, yeah. Oh, I knew that. Chode <laughs> comes into play when you're talking about a man's asshole. All the flavors. <laughs> All the flavors. 
not so de- well i'll just go ahead and say it my wife my dear dear wife and i always have a debate that men's assholes are deeper <laughs> and historically <laughs> grosser than women's for sure i feel yeah. like women's are more up and present they're closer to the world they don't go down as far. There's not as much crack to get to the asshole. Does that make sense? Like they're, like they're ready to be mounted. Like are you th- you're talking about the distance from the top of the butt crack? Um, I mean, there, there's like women more. Women are going to have more bubbly butts typically. Mm, that's a good point. Maybe my theory is off here. I just like distance, like distance from the outside world is most likely further away with a woman. Let's let's compare it to like the ocean. There's like a deep abyss, right? Where it's like miles deep and yeah, there's no light. The woman. Well, that's clearly the man's asshole. No. A woman's asshole is bright coral reef with beautiful tropical fish and some light. You can see it. And you. Can... I think that's just based on sexual orientation. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like for your <laughs> yeah, preference. I guess you're right. <laughs> a man's butthole just seems like the end of the earth to me. Unless just... he likes men's buttholes. That's true. So are you going with a... No, you're going with a pube sandwich. No, I don't want the nuts and anywhere near my okay. face that haven't been washed for 30 days. All right, so well, I will, how about this, Josh? Doubt, how about this, then? pube sandwich. Vinegary. Pube sandwich from that same bum, but this bum has recently showered yesterday. <laughs> now what do you got? I, uh, would, uh, I would, at that point, do the rim job, probably. Oh, <laughs> now just get it out of the way. Now we're getting to know some. Think about, think about, hang on a second. So, I mean, so I guess you guys discussed like maybe that you could just slop on the mayonnaise or whatever to help kind of get it all down. Yeah, no matter yes, what, so there will be so, like you get one Ugh. tiny, tiny fucking hair in your mouth Dude, I'm gonna, oh, you're gonna or your throat barf. and you, <laughs> you're, it's, over. it's like your life is ending. Your yeah. life is ending. You're you have to capable pick, of doing anything but dealing teeth. with that. Oh, God. Like your throat's... <laughs> like your, clo- your throat's clo- closing up. Imagine all of it being pubes, like 600 pubes in your mouth at Can you imagine point. shitting pubes? Like your, your poopoo's So at that point, I would choose a the teddy bear coming out. I would just get it out of the way. I mean, if I had to choose one at that point, it was a clean butt. Clean ish. Yeah, I mean, clean, whatever. Okay. I don't know, God. Yeah, you know what? Uh, hey, would I do it? First, no, I'll there's no winner. I think I just do the pube sandwich still. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you just bear down. You do the pubes because I feel like there's less therapy. Can I put peanut butter on peanut butter, peanut butter, mayonnaise, pickle, and pube sandwich? Oh my God! Yeah, you can up. do that. We'll yeah, give you I got that. It. Oh. I got enough things masking that flavor. Okay. Oh. Now, did you hear the "Would you rather"? This isn't mine for today, but we'll go back to one that Alan Ashcraft gave us. Um. Make sure I get this right, Andrew. Would you rather... Would you... What is it? Would you rather... Oh. Oh, would you rather have to watch your parents have sex every day for the rest of your life <laughs> or join in one time? Oh. <laughs> That's oh. the ultimate would yeah, you rather. That really is. That's that the ultimate That stumps one. people, bro. <laughs> I've heard... My family have, like, debated this at nausea. <laughs> I've heard grown-ups just like, well, have you considered this? And have you considered that? You know, how long your parents last them, you know? Well, you tell me. I mean, my thing with that, I guess, is that... Really um, think about this. Today. What did you do today? No, I guess here's my thing. At some point at today, some point, you would have I'm not going to drive over to watch it, but if, like, if every day... 
there was something I was doing, and they're like, "All right, Josh, you gotta come, you gotta come in." <laughs> and there was like a, a you know, they're gonna go for what three minutes? Right, Maybe so I see it one time. Who cares? They go for thirty seconds. I'm just what saying. What does that have to do with it? Could be. It, Join them one time and it's done. I know. You're done. You get a free life after that. I know, but what does this mean when you <laughs> Suck join Suck your dad's in? dick. You do whatever. Oh, God. Wait, did I just throw that in there needlessly? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, my thing is, like, you join see it him. one time at that point. Like, if it if it's like, you know, I take a shower every day. Yeah. Now I just, like, oh, I got to see that every just day. I got to watch my like, parents' fuck. At least I didn't have to suck my dad's dick. Yeah. So is that what you're choosing, Josh? On on microphone. As long as they <laughs> came to me, I would watch my parents fuck every day for the rest of my life. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Good job, Josh. All right, and let's do the would you rather for today. This is not as good. If I can open my phone. Um, can I think of a would, would you rather that would stump anybody. Okay, Josh, Joshua James Northcutt. Would you rather have to dive into a pool of snot once a day or always have to shower in your own pee? Jesus. <laughs> 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 Testing mind. You want to read it again? By the way, look at that wave file on my lap. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a mountain. Gorgeous. Would you rather have to dive into a pool of snot once a day or always have to shower? In your own pee. I mean, shower in your own pee, man. Sterile? Always? <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to... So what? The, the the flip side of this is that you dive into... Oh, I guess once a day, yeah. ...a pool of boogers. Snot. And not just boogers, but yeah, like... Oh, snot. God. Oh, snot. That's disgusting, man. <laughs> um, okay, so here's... Is it, mm, is it your yeah. own? Is it your, would it be like essentially your own snot? Yeah, well, we'll say it's your own snot and it's your own pee. Yeah, so I would d- dive into the the snot every day, and then take a shower with real, just normal, clean water. Oh, so you're going to the snot? Yeah, I think I would. Let's because I'm assuming okay, you we'll don't sp- get a shower after your pee shower. That's right. Which means that you have to yeah, spend yeah, every s- day of your life smelling like piss. That's and right. You're not gonna. That's do, why do you use your brain, Josh. You're literally not gonna be able to do anything. You're gonna go far in life. <laughs> That's a good way to use your brain. You're gonna get kicked out of everywhere. <laughs> You're going to get arrested at some point for just... Okay, let me switch it up. What if you had to dive into a pool with someone else's snot once a day? I would still choose a snot. And someone else's pee? You still... Yeah, I guess the... Yeah, I don't want to smell Yeah, I guess your reasoning sticks to that. All right. What about you, Drew? Yeah, you got to shower off the snot, so you jump into the snot. Okay. So you shower it off. You can really plus, I, also I was going to go with like, pee what, I mean, I'm, It might feel kind of cool. Say that again. Like, what's that place? Flo- um, uh, where you like, <laughs> like float up? Yeah, sensory deprivation, something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. You might just. Oh, this is great. Like, what are so they going to put you in? Like, what if, what if you end up like um, having a travel? Like, what? Are, like in the alien movies or some shit? Like, yeah, they're in a that kind of substance. Yeah, like the Matrix or something. Yeah. Okay. What if the pool instead of oh, snot? God damn it! Instead of snot, it's cum. Bukaki. It's it's literally on anything. I mean, maybe other than shit. Okay, well, what about poo poo? <laughs> Diary, diarrhea poo poo. Liquidy poo poo. Dive While you could definitely uh, clean off after the reasoning that, still you are matters. going to be throwing up so much that you'll die. You could die. <laughs> yeah, it might, might also, be. yeah, you would just probably die because you would, yeah, you'd be in. Yeah, that's a, okay. All right, pool's <laughs> not. There we go. 
All right, Andrew, let's do some current events. Speaking of shit. Oh, my God. Have you seen this, Josh? Oh, my God. It's so funny, dude. Oh, hold on. I want to play Good this on, on her, Instagram. though, man. Okay, so. Good for her, though, man. Um, so I forget the gross. name of what's the name of the coffee. It's a Canadian coffee shop. T- Tom Hortons. Some, something like that. A late, uh, like a methy homeless lady or something comes in, asks her to use the bathroom. They say no because you have to be a customer to use the bathroom. She's freaking out. She's like, let me, let me shit in your bathroom. Okay, like, yeah, no. not good for her then. Fuck her. So she says, fuck you. She clearly, per the video, takes a massive poo-poo, a gross, gross poo on the floor, then picks up the poop and throws it at the barista across the counter, then grabs a napkin, wipes her ass with that said napkin, and then throws that at the barista, and then sort of just leaves. It's hardcore. Some chimpanzee shit. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> if you notice there's people in the back just like can you imagine being there you hear this commotion and then like oh my god oh, she tim hortons. Shit. tim hortons that's right damn weird right oh watching you hit, see it hit the floor dunk oh god <laughs> damn it <laughs> i think my favorite part is actually when she's like yeah when she's cleaning, cleaning up yeah, and her pants are still down oh. she fucking leaves. she's like yelling did they find that bitch I assume so. Yeah, you would you would assume so. Well, that's the talk going around town right now. Lady throws poop at coffee shop is <laughs> what you can find on YouTube. <laughs> All right, what's what else you got, Drisky? That's a good one. Though. We got a Terry Gilliam's three decade Don Coyote Odyssey is actually finally being at, premiered at Cannes this year. Wow! Nice. After like twenty nine years since he had financing for it. How old is he? He? How old is he? How old is Terry Gilliam now? I have no idea. It's got to be 70 plus, I'd imagine. There's a, a rumor I've heard that there's a documentary about that movie. About <laughs> the, like, you know, the most disastrous film set of all time or something. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, but I guess he finally finished it. It's coming. It's uh, premiering oh, at Cannes. The door. It's hot as fuck. Did you hear about the Nine Inch Nails, the tickets, what they're doing for that? They're doing a physical world pre-sale only, which means I get to go in line and you get up to four tickets. But you can only purchase them in person. Really? <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is so great. Throwing I mean, it's it a pain in the school. ass. It really is, but but that makes <laughs> what? What does that do? It helps with scalping and shithead yeah. people. Yeah, for sure. The ticket sellers, right? But uh, okay. So okay, read that. Again. So the f- promise you, Prince, an actual human being. Show up at the box office, interact with the ticket seller. Prince is another actual human being and purchase up to four tickets that will actually be handed to you on the spot. Yeah, like we used to do yeah. when we have to go to Ticketmaster yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time and stand outside. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails has always been about bringing people together, living life to the fullest in good times. Yeah, something needs to change, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's a real Dude, problem. Scalpers and just time. reselling tickets like that. It's just, I mean, it's like there's a part of me that doesn't have a problem with the reselling of the ticket as long as like that one person i mean my thing is like if one dude or lady is able to purchase four tickets online and then wants to sell them later on that's right and does it in the same legal manner as everybody else that's fine but when it's based around a ton of computers in a space that are just all doing it automatically right yeah and just eating all of them up that's right Right away real fast because of the band they have no control over that like that sucks for their fans because now you have to pay whatever that price is to to make sure. You're yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that shade. you know every you know every time they've tried to make any um, set any rules to be able to help 
offset that a little bit and they're like, oh, only this many tickets per email. Okay, so they just generate a bunch of bullshit emails yeah. or this many yeah, tickets per card. It oh, well, we if just, it's online, we just yeah. generated a bunch of different um, oh, debit cards, good. different accounts. Where are the tour dates? Does it say? Uh, yeah. Um, is there anything around here? Uh, it's L.A. and Seattle, I believe. Maybe not Seattle, but it's like L.A. for sure. This is the in San Francisco. Fall, looks like. Cool. Yeah. December 3rd. Oh, it's with the Jesus Mary chain. That's awesome. Sweet. Ooh, road trip, boys. Mm-hmm. God damn, that'd be yeah, so big much time. fun. We should do that. Andrew and I are going to see uh, Chris D'Elia in October. Hell yeah. Who's yeah, he's you? coming to uh, Revolution Hall. Yeah, you should come with us, man. You guys already get tickets? I, did, me, I got me and Andrew tickets, yeah. Oh, you couldn't just buy one extra one like you're <laughs> supposed to do so at least somebody else can get one? Sorry, bro. It's my gift to him for doing everything for free all the no, time. No, I don't think they're like actually um, seated. To, or they're seated, but I don't... It's a general mission, yeah. But it's yeah... There General mission, but seating. There isn't a sign seating. Yeah, so I think you have to get there. Think. Yeah, so but get a ticket, and we'll just get there at the same time. I would absolutely love to see that guy again. You liked it? Oh, it was phenomenal. That's awesome. Yeah, because I always thought his like, like uh, podcast stuff and stuff was always funnier than his stand-up, but mm-hmm. I keep hearing from everyone that his stand-up's gotten like, just bananas. Yeah, yeah what's that one? What was that? Yesterday was yesterday, the day before was the one year for Chris Cornell's death? Uh, yeah, it was like last week. Yeah, so yeah. Read that, Drew. One year on from the tragic loss of Chris Cornell and God. his incredible music and legacy continues to captivate and inspire. Man, oh man, isn't that it's crazy? Been though? A year, yeah, just last week, Fuck. sometime. My God, fucking Christ, man! I still can't believe it. Man. That's that's one, like, you know, when Robin Williams died, I think everyone was just like, Jesus Christ, that sucks. He was like so beloved, you know. Damn, genie, but. Is that an Aladdin reference? <laughs> um, but like, for, you know, anyway, for us, like Chris Cornell is just such a huge, I don't know, just so influential for so many people. And and that one sucked. Like, that really fucking surprised me. You don't think of that guy ever dying. Like, not only is he not supposed to commit suicide, he's just supposed to live forever. God damn it. God fucking damn it. God that fucking damn sucks. it, man. Were you the one that told me that um, what's the guy from Lincoln Park, Chester? Something? Yeah, that he he died on the same day as Chris Cornell's uh, death? on a, on Chris Cornell's birthday. On Chris Cornell's birthday, and that that is true. Uh, we could check it out. Have you heard that before, Josh? Mm-mm. But uh, oh yeah, you know I I do feel like I actually heard something kind of. See, that's along crazy. Those lines. Yeah, yeah, what a bummer, man. Huge bummer. I'm not a Lincoln Park fan um, by even a stretch of the imagination at all. Uh, but, um, you know, that's one of those situations that's like you, with Chester. I know so many people that he was like a massive, massive part of their life. Yeah, a lot of people in the industry love that guy. And um, like a lot of it, yeah, I, mean, I guess like the industry side of it, that he was just like a really, really, really great guy. Um. Who, you know, maybe made some questionable choices as a musician. I don't know. Uh, Andrew and I did a podcast where we talked about our <laughs> musical guilty pleasures. And oh, I need to listen to that. <laughs> it's not the worst. And, and, and we both admitted that we, we kind of <laughs> like some Linkin Park. We'll get down with Linkin Park mm-hmm. if it's on the radio, you know? We, we kind of like some Linkin Park. <laughs> you so, know what I do? What's, what's up? I turn it off. I turn the radio <laughs> off. Andrew and I turn it on. We go, oh, cool. We turn the windows up. Yeah, Put we the roll windows the windows up. up. <laughs> and then we crank it up. You're a Paramore fan, though, right? 
Oh, I'm not even. I'm not embarrassed by that. Because okay. that was another one we did. <laughs> that was a that was a rough episode, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> we just to it. We shut the door and fucking embarrassed. <laughs> we're playing like Taylor Swift. Yeah, like a lot of '90s rock, Gin Blossoms. Oh, a lot of Gin Blossoms. <laughs> what are you talking about, Gin Blossoms? You guys listen to more songs than that one? Like you're talking like you guys no, like him? Or of course just... not. I don't know. Any I celebrate others. their whole that whole album. I don't know. I guess that's one of those things. I mean, I feel like guilty pleasures are really more like this is actually something I do on a regular basis, and I you mean like you and Third Eye Blind do it. Okay, I like Third Eye Blind. You I'm and not, Counting Crows. It's not a guilty pleasure though. <laughs> Man, what it, is Counting Crows? Another one. I like Counting Crows. Not a guilty pleasure. There it is. We have it on on tape. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Forever. I mean, all those bands that we just said, just said right there, um, that's where I'm at with, like, Dave Matthews Band. Yep. Like, I actually, they're not a guilty pleasure. Like, I actually think they are good. As you said earlier, I am a Dave Matthews Band fan. You said that. Yes. So that's, yeah, I'm not making fun of you. That's, that's cool. I, I'm willing to fight Gotta say about it. it, too. No, they're, they're legitimately good. <laughs> Somebody wants to physically fight me. You got anything else, Drewski? That's it. All right, man. That was a good one, bro. Thanks, Josh. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having fun. me. That uh, Real quick, honorable mention. I mentioned earlier that we had me and Neil, sorry, Neil and I, proper. Neil proper, and me. Neil and me's <laughs> uh, went to Bend to a high desert music conference. And I want to thank John from Red Light Productions for inviting us. That was super fun. Chino from the Deftones is one of the, the panel speakers. We gained a lot of connections and friends. And anyway, I just want to say that meeting Chino... Uh, you know, it's it's so rare that your heroes actually live up to your expectations, and it proves that he still really loves music and he still loves talking to people about music. He wasn't snobbish at all; like he was just so kind and, and generous with his time. So uh, a huge shout out, shout out, shout out to that guy and the conference. Uh, we got any shows coming up, Drewski? Anything fun? Uh, June second at Lovecraft bar Ooh, with when you get all uh, dirty vibersay vibersay correct nice any uh updates on the gentry same damn near done man damn near done damn near done 99 percent or some shit uh damn everyone near. go check out the new shelter red single just came out okay uh, andrew scorcher dude andrew directed the video i love it by the way drew look turned out great in your face in your face check it out homeboys of ours anything the world should know about josh mm. tell, tell the world quickly what you do for a living um, I sell musical equipment. I work for Guitar Center. Yeah, but well, um, more than that. I mean, you're not just a, a clerk these days, right? No, I do a lot of uh, sound. Um, I don't do the actual installation myself, but I design a lot of systems for bars and churches and yeah. schools, stuff like that. And you've, you've been with them for a long time. For 13 years. That's yeah, awesome. That's which, crazy. Uh, and Guitar Center years is like 400 yeah. years of noise. Right. I have um, a pretty high turnover rate. Yeah, my brain can't handle it some days, but, you know. I can only imagine. Still kicking. That's rad. Any uh, musical projects coming up for you? Um, I I have actually something I'm... Um, I've been working a little bit on my own um, that I hope to be able to finally finish at some point. I'm a long way away from it, but just my mm-hmm. own stuff. Um been taking drum lessons for the last six months, um, learning how to like read and write 
scrums better, uh, which is like a really, really important thing for me at this point in my life. Um, I want to just be able to teach myself anything that I ever want to learn, which was a limitation, I think, for me before because I couldn't understand how to read it. Um, so that's a little help with the studio stuff you want to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's like my big motivation right now. Um, but yeah, no, no real projects in the works with anybody. Dude, you're a rad drummer. I need to, I need to see you play. Yeah. I play with Lauren Newman, LKN. She's, um, local guitar batter, uh, badass shredder. She sure is. Um, and you know, we don't play often. It's been quite a while since we have played but we're chatting a little bit about trying to get a show going um she is super fun to play for that's awesome uh andrew actually came out to a show Yeah, that was a killer show yeah uh, yeah that was not long ago right no i mean that would have been like what that like was last Tom summer was here at dante's yeah. that's right yeah last cool. summer i think awesome um so that's like the only actual like band i think i i currently play for if you can call it that mm-hmm. um but yeah I, you know just Playing music with people's hearts sometimes. It's hard to get people in the same room and people's lives yeah, change so Jesus much as we Christ. get older. And time. Tony, I, Tony and I got in this room and tried and it was just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> We're so... Rusty. Yeah. I mean, that's why it was, though. Yeah. I haven't played really in like a year. Yeah. But yeah. Well, cool, dude. Thanks for coming in. That was really goddamn fun. Absolutely. That was fun. Uh, we'll do another one for sure. Whenever you want. I, I've I been thinking it. of like... All the top, I and mean, we could do top guitar players too. I mean, I know we're all drummers, but I would actually geez, we could um, do that. You, got I, any ideas? you know, if I could think of an idea, um, please do. That I could be a part of. What I would got? like to maybe um, not have a drummer discussion again because I think that's basically run its course here. Okay. Uh, in the one and a half to one. <laughs> oh, you don't want to do twenty-five volumes? <laughs> I think your audience would really like that, Josh. Yeah, um, I would like to have an episode that could come back for. Um, and we have to have at least, and we have to plan for at least five would you rathers a piece. Ooh, shit. Ooh. Intense. Ooh. 15 would you rathers between the three of us. <laughs> Holy moly. That'd be pretty damn fun. Would you Dan rather should be the name of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Nailed it. Get deep into our psyches here. Hey, if you, if you say it on air, now we have to do it. <laughs> All right, so let's. let's so we have to now. prepare for that, though. Get some mushrooms. Yeah. So we'll say July. Yeah, we'll yeah, it's homework time. Right. Homework time. All right. Have your what you would you know would you rather for each one coming up, but you have a separate little notes folder gotcha. for yourself that's about so five each. One. Yeah, five, five each. Yeah. All right, fifteen total. <laughs> and that's be original. God damn it. Would you Dan rather? Would you Dan rather? All right, let's get out of here. Uh, thank you so much for checking out the show, guys. It means the world to us. Download, subscribe, leave a review. If you need any stateside business, you can get a hold of me at statesidemgmt on Instagram or at James Ian Macmillan, personal Instagram. Andrew, where can they find you? Don't mind if I drew on Ooh, Instagram. Best Instagram handle in the West. Josh, do you want people to be able to find you? What do you got? Sure, I'm on uh, Instagram, cut of the North Josh. That's my second That's second C-U-T-T favorite of the North Josh. At cut of the North Josh. It's just a little play on my name. I don't know if you guys can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so is Andrews. It's don't mind if I do. Get it? It's like don't mind if I do. Get it, guys? Uh, guys? Yeah, Anyone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! We got a huge guest coming up here. You know who it is, Andrew. I do. Bada boom boom. Gherkin my jerkin. Gherkin my jerkin. Coming up soon. 
We love you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Mm-hmm. I'll beat you